So this morning, <clears throat> we're looking at, we're looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Uh, you can follow along on the screen beside me, or if you've got it in your laps, however it is you want to follow along, uh, or if you just want to close your eyes and listen, that's, that's great too. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Before we before we read, let's pray together. God, we come before you this morning uh, with humble hearts. Come to you this morning with uh, hearts filled with questions come to you this morning with with fear come to you this morning with sadness we come to you this morning with with grief and so we need your presence right now more than more than we have in a long time so uh, Spirit, fill our hearts and our minds. Help us to uh, to hear what you have to say to us this morning. And uh, maybe in more than just a small way, maybe in in larger ways, we don't know what we need, but we know we need to be different. And we know we need to be transformed. We know we need to become more like Jesus. So, uh, in... In some way, do that for us. We plead for you to do that for us. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Hear these words. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Not just any wind, a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and, and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to, began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites... Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them 
and said, people have had too much wine. And then Peter, of all people, Peter, stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and preached a sermon. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Here's what's going on. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of our Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We'll go that far. So today is a special Sunday. It's what we call Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day when churches all over the world celebrate what we think of as, as the birthday of the church. Now, this is the church's birthday. How cool is that? We celebrate that today. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about birthday parties, I think about, I think about cake, I think about cards, I think about presents, I think about games, I think about a whole entire day filled with sentimental celebration. You know, if you have kids, you do this. And you talk about the day they were born, and it's all filled with sentimentality. And you talk about how far they've grown and how they've matured, and it's, oh, it's so, so good. But, but as we celebrate this day, the birthday of the church, we can't get sentimental about it. No, no. We can't because this story invites us into anything but sentimentality. This story if we're paying attention to it, this story is about discomfort. This story is about, this story is about disruption. I mean, we love to think about the coming of the Spirit. We love to think about the coming of the Spirit, and we love to think about these images that Scripture gives us, good images, but we think about the Spirit as the advocate, like the one who comes alongside of us, the paraclete, and the one who helps us. We love to think about the Spirit as, as the comforter, the one who comforts us in times of need, and that's really good too. We love to think about the Spirit as this, as this pretty little dove coming down and being with us. But in this story, what do we have? In this story, we have the Spirit as wind. We have the, we have the Spirit as fire. Author and speaker and former Lutheran church pastor, Nadia Bowles-Weber, she tells a story about a, a church that was given a set of well-used pyramids. And those are just sort of religious decorations that you hang around the sanctuary according to the church year. They're color-coded according to the church season. So as a group of them together went through these old church pyramids, they came across the red ones designated for today. 
Pentecost Sunday and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And on them, they found an image of a descending dove. But this one was weird and different. This one had the image of a descending dove, but it had these crazy wild eyes. And its, its claws looked more like talons, and it looked a little bit scary. She writes, yep, it was as though the Holy Spirit was a raptor. And then someone else commented, man, we can't use this one. This one makes the spirit look dangerous. And I think in Nadia's brilliant pastoral heart and mind in that moment, she probably said, oh man, this is exactly what we need. This is exactly the image we need. We can use this one. Just look at this story. Let's pay attention to this story. This story is a dangerous story. This story is a disruptive story. Because this story starts with a, with a small group of Jesus people. Right? Isolating themselves. They're all together in one place. Maybe they were, maybe they were all gathered together in one place because they were, they were afraid of outsiders. They were afraid of people who were different than they were. Maybe they were afraid of their own people because they had begun to think and act differently the way that Jesus had taught them how to live. Maybe they were thinking about their own Jewish authorities and they were thinking about what their own people might actually do to them. All we know is that they were huddled together behind closed doors, isolating themselves, seemingly okay with the way things are. And then things get a little crazy. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Wind and fire, those are dangerous. Wind and fire can be really dangerous. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And then, strangely enough, as they ventured outside, the people outside those walls, foreigners from all over the place, all different kinds of places, from every nation under heaven, Luke tells us. Strangely enough, they begin to hear these people tell them about the wonders of God in their own language. They were amazed. They were perplexed. Some of them thought that these Jesus people were just drunk. They were intoxicated. But, but they heard the wonders of God in their own languages. So what in the world is this story all about? I've got two main things to say about this story this morning. And I think they're pretty important. The first thing is this. I think this story is a, is a celebration of diversity. That's what this story is. It's a celebration of, of diversity. And it shouldn't surprise us either. Just, just look at the world around us. How many different kinds of people are there? How many different shades of melanin do we find in the world? Just look at the world that God created, that God made through God's own voice. Look at Look at it. How many different kinds of birds do we have? We don't just have robins. How boring would that be? We have wrens and, 
and we have pigeons and we have like penguins and all sorts of other kinds of birds. How many different kinds of trees do we have? We don't just have oak trees. How boring. We have willow trees and elm trees and maple trees and we've got trees that lose their leaves and we've got other trees that stay green all year. We've got all kinds of different trees. How many different kinds of grasses are there? How many different kinds of insects are there? Like this shouldn't surprise us. This is a, this is a story that celebrates amazing diversity, diversity that, that God built into the creation itself. And we have all kinds of people there from every nation under heaven. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them describing the wonders of God in our own language. Now often, the story of Pentecost is represented as a reversal of the story of Babel. You can find that story in Genesis chapter 11. Um, You can go read that after this and then compare it to this story. Read them back to back and it's sort of cool. But in that story, the story of Babel, that's the story of humanity thinking that they can rule the place. Thinking that they can run the joint, the whole world, all by themselves. They're very me, I, human focused. If you read that story, they keep saying, let us do this, let us do that, let us do this, let us do that. We're going to build a tower that reaches all the way up to heaven, all the way up to the divine, because that's how awesome we are. And so they do. They build this tower that reaches to the heavens. And in the best part of that story is after they built their tower, sort of hilariously, it says, God came down and God scatters the people, confuses their languages. And so this story is, a, is often told as a story that is the reversal of that story. And I like that reading. It's, it's meaningful. The coming of the Spirit is sort of a reversal of all the things that have gone wrong in this world. And in fact, the last two times I've preached on this passage, that's what I've said. I like it. But what if it's deeper than that? What if it's more profound than that? What if it's better than that? What if this story is actually a fulfillment of that story. I mean, when the Spirit came, he didn't just make it so that everybody then spoke the same language again. Like, that would be a true reversal, right? No. When the Spirit came, the Spirit allowed all the languages of the earth to carry the story of God. Ah! The Spirit wove diversity and inclusiveness into the very fabric of the church on the day she was born. This story is a celebration of diversity. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it seems like this idea keeps coming up again and again and again in the scriptures. You can find it all over the place. At least it feels like I keep finding it and keep pointing it out to y'all. Well, maybe it's because... Maybe it's because this is the kind of thing that we just need to keep hearing again and again and again and again, over and over and over again. 
Because there seems to be something about being human that, that makes us afraid, that makes us suspicious of the other, people who are different than we are. I mean, we have all kinds of different ways that we love to separate ourselves from those people. Socially, racially, economically, religiously, that list goes on and on and on, and we could be here all day listing all the ways that we separate ourselves. And today, 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 it just seems like the world is growing more and more and more tribal. Nations, cities, even faith communities turn on each other out of suspicion, out of fear, out of selfishness, and it just gets, it just gets so tiring. Has there ever been a time there have been other times, but in my lifetime, has there ever been a time where we've needed a community of people who are willing to do the, the really hard and humble work of embracing and loving the other? This story right here this story right here tells us that, that the church is designed to be that kind of community. The story is a celebration of diversity. That's the first thing. Here's the next thing. I think this story is about what the rest of the Bible is all about. At its heart, at its core, it's about transformation. I mean, read the story in the Bible from beginning to end, and there's transformation all over the place. There's metamorphosis all over the place. In fact, maybe if change and transformation isn't your gig and something you don't like, that's okay, you're welcome here, but this is going to be hard. This story is about the spirit of the divine making things new. Transformation. I mean, think about it. That's probably why they experienced the presence of the spirit as wind and fire. Wind and fire. What else do wind and fire do but transform things? What else do they do but change things and transform things? Sometimes they change things and transform things in some, some pretty dramatic ways. I mean, think tornadoes, think hurricanes, think forest fires. They transform things. I mean, think about what the Spirit did to, these early group of Je to this early group of Jesus people. Think about it. Okay, you know when you're on Facebook and you're just sort of mindlessly flipping through, scrolling a little bit, and you see those pictures? Like, you know the ones that are all about eating right and fitness? Like on the left, you'll see the guy with the grumpy face staring at the camera, and he's got the dad bod going on, and he's not happy at all. And then you look on the left-hand side of the picture, and he's all shredded and ripped, and he's got like that super smiley, confident face on him. Yeah, you know the ones, right? The before and after pictures. 
The transformation of these first disciples was that and then some, if you're paying attention to the story. Think about it. Before Pentecost, on the night that Jesus was, was arrested, Peter, he cowered at a little servant girl's question and denied that he even knew Jesus, what, not even at all. And then after Pentecost, in the story we read this morning, he preaches a sermon to a confused and perplexed crowd, telling them that Joel's prophecy was happening right now. People, men and women, young and old, were having dreams and visions of a new and better world, and they were about ready to live into it. And when he was done preaching this sermon, like 3,000 people joined up right then and right there. They stood forward and they said, I'm in. Let's go for it. Peter was totally and completely transformed, a new human being. Before Pentecost, most of Jesus' followers were so overcome with doubt and fear that they huddled together behind closed doors. And then after Pentecost, women and men, young and old, all went out into the streets and they, they walked into the community and they spoke in other languages, telling people about the wonders of God and people's lives were changed. And then you, you read the rest of the book of Acts. Later on, they touched the lame. And the lame walked again, which means they walked into their own communities. And you know what they brought? They brought not division, not hate, not fear. They brought healing. That's what they brought. Then they were imprisoned and flogged for living this new life that Jesus taught them how to live. And yet they showed very few signs of fear, very few signs of doubt. The Spirit totally transforms this entire group. And then later on in the book of Acts, they would entertain the question, a very profound and poignant question. Who can be in this new community of faith? Who do we allow inside this new community of faith? Well, Jews, of course. This whole thing started with Jesus, a Jew, out of Judaism. So, of course, Jews are welcome, but, but not those people, not, not Gentiles, not the people who are different from us. No, they don't belong, at least not until they circumcise themselves and become one of us and sort of do all the things that we like to do and observe all the dietary laws and all that other stuff that our scriptures tell us that they have to do. And then Peter has this vision of a sheet coming out of heaven. And it's full of all kinds of different animals. Some of them are good, they're kosher, you can eat them, they're clean, some of them not so much. And then Peter hears the voice of God saying to him, don't call anything I have created unclean. And Peter realizes that God's not talking about food. God's talking about people, real human beings. And then he meets an outsider, this person, this Gentile named Cornelius. And he baptizes him. The unwelcome, he welcomes. Brings him in. 
See, here's the deal. The church could have become just another Jewish sect where only Jewish people were allowed, but, but they didn't become that because they began to understand that the promises of God weren't just for them. The promises of God were, were for the whole world, even the outsiders. So the unwelcome, they welcomed, they embraced. And nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. Again, the Holy Spirit transformed this entire group. Now those are big, bold, seemingly huge and outrageous transformations. Those are the things we like to see. Those are the things we want to see. Those are the things we like to, to point at in the world. And we're like, yeah, see, God is up to something there. See, that's proof. The Spirit is up to something there, right? We love to see those big, bold changes. We love that. We love the before and after pictures. But sometimes, sometimes, I think the Spirit moves in, in smaller but equally transformational ways. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Let's be honest about something. Most of us here in this virtual space most of us are white people. So maybe one of those smaller transformations for us people. Maybe it looks like us. Maybe it looks like this. You're, you're scrolling through Facebook and Twitter. And you've, you've come across the news that another, that another African-American man, George Floyd, let's, let's say his name. Let's remember his name. George Floyd. He's dead now. Because of police violence. You, you, you come across the news. And you stop. And you don't want to. But you make yourself watch that video. You see the images of the knee on his neck. You listen to him cry for his mama, who's no longer alive. You listen to him whisper, I can't breathe. And then you see his life extinguished before your very eyes. You watch it. And it, and it breaks your heart into a million pieces, just like every other time you've watched a video like this, but... but but this time, something's different. Something has changed. Something in your heart now has shifted. Or, or maybe it wasn't that that did it. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the peaceful protests afterwards. And then maybe it's the peaceful protest that turns into violence and fire and smoke. And maybe you're watching those and you're realizing, oh my God, there is a whole group of people in a whole bunch of pain pain that I don't get, 
pain that I don't even begin to understand. And something inside of you shifts. Your heart flips in your chest. And you decide in that moment that now is different. Enough is enough. And you decide you're going to go out and you're going to seek out people of color who are in your life. And you're going to ask them to tell, to tell you their stories. And you're going to listen. And you're going to listen and try your best to understand their real, lived experience. And you're going to legitimize it. And you're going to begin to realize that, oh my goodness, there are things in place in this world and systems in place in this world that you've been blind to, that you don't fully understand, and that you've never seen before, but now slowly it's coming into focus. And then you decide before you do anything else, before you speak up, before you speak out, you're going to take a posture of humility. And you're going to seek out authors, black authors, other authors who are minorities, and you're going to read their books, and you're going to sit in a posture of humble learning before you do anything else. And then you're going to send your pastor an email, or you're going to call him on the phone, and you're going to say, Pastor, here's what I want to do. I want to gather a group of people on Zoom, of course, because we can't all be gathered together in one place. And I want us to read a new book that I've come across. It's called The New Jim Crow. Can I do that officially at the church? Or you'll ask him, can I read this other book I've heard of? It's called How to Be an Anti-Racist. How to be not just not racist, but an anti-racist. I, I want to read that book and facilitate a small group around that. Can, can I do that? Or I want to read this other book by this woman named Austin Channing Brown. It's called I'm Still Here. I want to go, I want to go through that book. I want to read it with a group of people. Can we do that as a church? And your pastor who's smart and compassionate will say, what can I do to help? Can I do this with you? Maybe we all should do this together. But it all started with watching that video. It all started hearing his cries for help. And as you watch the protest happen, you realize there's more going on in this world that you just don't understand. And now, this time, this time it's time to do something. This time it's time to change my own attitudes and recognize my own blind spots. Something inside you is now transformed. It's new. It's different. Now, I don't know what you call that, but I call that the work of the divine. If you're a Jesus person or not, that right there is the work of the Spirit. Or maybe, maybe it goes something like this. You've got that one person in your life. You know the one. You used to be close friends. Or maybe close family members even. But something happened to sort of sour that relationship. Maybe it was something that they did. Or maybe it was something that you did. It doesn't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is that you're, you're tired. You're tired of the whole thing. You're tired of the resentment. You're tired of the anger. And so you start figuring out ways to put things back together again. And you thought, 
You've thought on a number of occasions that I'm just going to write an old-fashioned letter and drop it in the mail, but it just didn't feel right. You've scrolled along Facebook and you've seen them post things and you've thought to yourself, I should send them a, a private message, but it just didn't feel right. And then all of a sudden, one day, you just find yourself thinking about that person and your relationship and something inside of you says, now, right now, don't wait, right now. And you pick up your phone and you send them a text. Or maybe you pick up the phone and you, and you call them. Right there in that moment is the beginning of something we might call reconciliation, something we might call new life. And for you, it just feels like a freaking miracle. A new beginning for a relationship you thought was dead in the water. Now, I don't know what you call that, but I call that the work of the divine. If you're a Jesus person or not, it doesn't matter to me. Well, it matters. But here's what I'm saying. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I'm telling you that's the work of the Spirit. That's the Spirit, the Spirit of the divine working in your life, whether you realize it or not. It feels dangerous to me. All of this feels uncomfortable to me. Some of this stuff I don't want to say. Some of this stuff I don't want to hear. But when we celebrate the birthday of the church and the coming of the Spirit, we can't get all sentimental about it. There's no room for that. There's no room for sentimentality because this story is about the Spirit showing up and transforming ordinary, imperfect, and scared people into the, into the community of God, into the church, into the body of Christ the presence of Jesus in this world that is so lost and so broken. There's no room for sentimentality because this is the story of God coming, rending the heavens and coming down and disrupting us and disorienting us and shaking us up, all of the ways that we're used to engaging in the divine so that something new can be born in us, so that something new can be born among us. The only question is, are we willing to pay attention? Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to allow our lives to be, to be disrupted? To be disoriented? Are we willing to surrender? So that the spirit which was present in the creation of the whole universe so that that spirit, that power, that presence can create something new right here in this time. Are we willing? Let's pray. Spirit of God, we... need you and we humbly ask that you would 
that you would do whatever it is you need to do in our lives to wake us up, to shake us loose, to disorient us, to disrupt us. Because if you don't, we're just going to continue to make a mess of things. Spirit, give us eyes that see and ears that hear the wonderful diversity that you've woven into this creation and into this world and help us to listen to voices that are different from us because you are the one who is speaking in those voices. And if we try to quelch those voices and keep those voices down, it's like we're quelching the spirit among us. And so God, we ask you to do whatever it is you need to do in us to change us and move us so that we can begin to see a new creation taking place, being birthed right in the middle of this one so that this whole world can become more free, more fair, more equitable for all people so that all people can flourish. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus and by the power of your dangerous spirit. Amen.